Listener supported. WNYC Studios. I live my life in this wonderful sea of beautiful music. It is a wonderful opportunity for young people to learn everything from focus and discipline to setting and hitting goals, to working well with other people as we play together in the orchestra. And so if I can, in some way, help more young people to come to that, um, I think that would be a wonderful thing. Hi, welcome to Universe of Art, a podcast from Science Friday and WNYC Studios about artists who use science to take their work to the next level. I'm Science Friday producer Dee Peter Schmidt. If you were ever in school band or were the parent of a kid in those programs, you know that those instruments aren't cheap. The school might have some spare instruments in storage that students can start learning on. But if you plan on playing and learning that instrument long term, they can get pricey, starting in the hundreds of dollars and easily running into the thousands for something of quality that can last you years and years. And if it's a stringed instrument, it's likely that you'll mostly be playing classical music, where price is only one of several huge barriers that helps make the genre largely inaccessible. But the subject of today's episode wants to help tackle those accessibility problems using 3D printing. Mary Elizabeth Brown is a concert violinist and founder and director of the Aviva Young Artist Program, who's using her knowledge of violins to develop a 3D print of one that has the sound of a Stradivarius, but only costs $7 to produce. She aims to make them mostly for kids getting into music. Before we get to that, I'm here with the producer of this segment, Rasha Aridi. Hey, Rasha. Hey, Dee. So did you ever play in a middle or a high school band? I have never touched an instrument before in my life, actually. Oh, really? (laughs) I wanted to play the drums as a kid, and my mom was like, no, too loud for this house. (laughs) Oh, no. Drums are so cool, though. I know. Maybe one day. And yeah, how did you come across this story? Yeah, so I came across this story. It was an article about this woman, this professional violinist who could 3D print this violin for kids for only a few bucks. And I was reading this story, and I was like, you know what? I really want to hear this story. So as a radio producer and like audio nerd... I thought I could bring some new life into this amazing story and shed some light on the work that the violinist Mary Elizabeth Brown is doing. And so I made it into a radio story. (laughs) It's nice when that happens. I know. Great. (laughs) So Mary Elizabeth actually plays both violins during the interview. She has her like legit kind of classical um, made of wood violin. And then she has like the, the $7 3D printed violin. And she plays the same piece like back-to-back so you can hear the difference, but it's Mm -hmm. really, really, really hard to hear a difference. Was that fun setting up, like, beforehand? It's like, hey, can you play (laughs) some violin during the segment? It was so fun. And, you know, I couldn't produce this segment without playing that game. You know, like, we had to do a (laughs) side-by-side comparison. I wanted to see if we could trip people up because I was wrong in guessing. Um, And I'll let audiences Mm. figure it out for themselves later. But, you know, she played on this, you know, plastic violin, basically, And it's all white and, you know, kind of looks like a toy almost. And then also with her beautiful Italian violin from like the 1700s, this like stunning, gorgeous instrument. But when you heard it through the radio, I mean, I know nothing about music and I couldn't figure it out. But she's also stumped some other musicians as well. Hmm, Yeah. So last question. The beauty of like 3D printing a violin is that you can like print it in any color you want. So I know you haven't touched an instrument before you don't play music, but if you were getting a 3D printed violin made for you, what color would you want it to be? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. That's such a good question. Maybe like 
black like solid black make a <laughs> yeah. statement with it you know like have a little yeah. emo moment going on there i think yeah. would look really cool <laughs> you like bring it into a hot topic and you're like what i need something to go with this when i'm like performing on stage yes exactly <laughs> like a neon pink bow or something ridiculous to match yeah. oh my god that'd be so cool <laughs> living my middle school dream <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> Well, thanks, Rasha. Let's, I, I can't wait to listen to this. Let's uh, tune in. Thanks. Do you enjoy the segment? And now here's Science Friday host Ira Flato talking with concert violinist Mary Elizabeth Brown. Stringed instruments can be a joy to the ears and the eyes. Handcrafted, made of beautiful wood, and the very best ones are centuries old and worth hundreds of thousands, maybe even millions of dollars. Except for that violin you just heard. What if I told you it costs just a few bucks and it's made of plastic? Now, why would you want a plastic violin? As I said, violins can get really expensive, and even the beginner ones might cost you a couple of grand, and that hefty price tag makes them inaccessible for a lot of families and classrooms. But my next guest has a plan to get more violins into children's hands by 3D printing them. Yes, Dr. Mary Elizabeth Brown is a concert violinist and the founder and director of the Aviva Young Artist Program based in Montreal, Quebec. Welcome to Science Friday. Thanks so much for having me. Nice to have you. How a violin sounds all comes down to physics, right? It does. It's all about how acoustics function and how those sand waves transfer and play in the, the resonating body of the instrument. And you translated that science into an instrument that can be 3D printed. Please tell me, walk me through the process here. We are now about five years into this story. Um, we started by asking this question about five years ago. Well, if you can print a bone or a portal vein, why can't we print a violin. And so I started working with an interdisciplinary team based in Ottawa. We developed instruments for use in the context of a symphony orchestra and to play concertos with a symphony orchestra. Our good friends at the Toledo Symphony Orchestra sort of took the baton from there and started to do some work in looking at whether you could recycle material and use recycled plastic to make 3D instruments. And then most recently, the, the ball has come back to Canada and we've started to look at how we can make it more accessible using at-home 3D printers and less expensive materials like PLA. What is the, the model? What model do you use? How do you actually know what to print on the 3D printer? Well, we get our information from a whole bunch of different sources. So we started with a basic kind of violin shape. And then from there, we pulled the measurements from a Stradivarius made in 1704. It's called the Betts Strad. And you can actually have a look at it on the Library of Congress's website. So we pulled the measurements from that instrument and ran some printing tests, decided that we liked a lot of it. And then we started to play with the curvature of the front and back of the instrument. What we would say is the belly of the instrument. If you look at a violin, you see that it slants up and curves in the middle of the face of the instrument and the middle of the back. So we took some curvature measurements from a violin maker, a violin making family, I should say, who was working in Naples at about the same time as Strad, uh, the Galliano family. We incorporated those and that's how we got our most latest iteration. 
Do you have to manipulate the printing material so you get the exact shape and consistency that you want? We do. So a lot of that comes down to the sort of material you use um, and how it's printed. So in this case, we use polylactic acid, um, which comes in a great big reel. It looks like a big spool of yarn and it gets fed into a printer that melts it and draws tiny little lines. They're about um, 0.4 millimeters thick. And we manipulate that using a computer to print the violin with tiny little spaces that resonate in between. Those spaces are made in the shape of a square. um, So like a tiny little checkered board shape inside the instrument, because that's what helps it to resonate best. Oh, so, so the square shape makes better sound. It does. There's actually been some really interesting research recently about um, plastic polymers and the various shapes, the internally printed shapes that sound best. So a square pattern definitely sounds better than, for example, a honeycomb pattern or a star shape. Wow. So you must have printed a lot of violins before, a lot of trial and error here before you got what you wanted. Indeed. And there have been some really great flops along the way. (laughs) Things that have sounded like tin cans. The most recent ended up looking a little bit like um, a mound of pink spaghetti in the middle of my 3D printer. There are lots of different versions of trial and error. Wow. And so what's the design that you ended up with and how much does it cost? So the current design is made all in PLA. Um, It's in two parts that fit together. So a child size instrument, a fractional size instrument costs about seven US dollars to print. Wow. Wow. And and the goal, of course, in printing this is to to make violins that people can afford to practice on and use in schools. Absolutely. And can be recycled when they're done. I hadn't thought about that. Now let's get to the all important question, you know, sort of a drum roll moment. What about the sound? Mary Elizabeth, can you play both violins? your beautiful old Italian one and the one you made for seven bucks and see if I can guess which one is made of plastic. Okay. Option number one. Okay, that was option number one. Here's number two. Beautiful. Beautiful. Okay, Ira, what do you think? Oh, I, oh, my goodness. I have no idea. If I had to guess, I would just guess the first one was the older violin and the second one was the 3D printed one. You are right. But, but there was so close, it was just a guess. You're right. 
Um, and so the difference here being that probably less about how it sounds um, and more about how it feels to play. You know, they feel a little bit different that way, but they're hard to tell apart. You're the first person who's been able to to guess that one right. Well, it was just it was just a guess. Uh, you know, I I could tell in the second one, it, it seemed like it was a little more difficult to play from the way I from the way I heard it. You know, I never played a violin in my life, so I could not tell. But to, to a trained musician like yourself, what is the difference? Is it just the difficulty? Because the sound was excellent. Well, so it's exactly the same piece of music. Um, and if anyone is curious about what that is, that's a piece of music called The Meditation, and it's from an opera called Thais. The playing is, is a lot about physics. And it's about how we take horsehair, so that's what's stretched across the, the bow, and how we rub it against metal, and then that transfers into the body of the instrument. And so a, a skillful violin player is able to do a number of things with the bow. So we will adjust the rate of speed at which the hair travels across the string and how much pressure we use to uh, sort of rub the, the hair across the string. So how much friction we create and where between the bridge and the beginning of the fingerboard, the contact point that we use. So those are the three kind of basic factors that are involved in, in violin playing or in, in sound production, I should say. Um, and so on a 3D printed instrument, we have to use substantially less weight um, and a little bit more speed of the bow to help to kind of draw out this this sound right. um, as opposed to my Italian instrument, which is sort of like, you know, opening up a wonderful painter's palette full of color. I imagine wood, especially beautiful old wood, sounds very different from plastic, right? How did you account for that difference? So wood is porous. And one of the considerations that we needed to, to account for was the fact that plastic is not. And so when we talk about this relationship between wood and plastic, we come back to that research about the internally printed spaces, whether they're square-shaped or, or star-shaped, um, within the, the printed PLA. So that gives us a degree of flexibility, a degree of space and air pockets in the material that gets sort of as close as we could to printing what would be the equivalent of wood. Um, we go back to the idea of total flops. There are PLA spools that are composites of uh, polylactic acid and, and bamboo. Um, and that was another disaster where it was not strong enough to withhold the, the weight of the bridge. So we had a great big hole in the middle of an instrument that was not so good either. Yeah, I hate it when that happens, you know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> That's Science Friday host Ira Flato talking with concert violinist Mary Elizabeth Brown. We'll be right back. But as you say, the point of your 3D printing is not to make a, a comparable instrument as much as it is to make a serviceable one that uh, new players, amateurs can learn on, right? Exactly. And I'm very fortunate that I have been able to play on this very fine Italian instrument for quite a long time. It's a real joy to play on. But a beginning violinist doesn't need that. And the goal of this has never been to replace or replicate that. The goal has been to create an instrument that is 
easy to maintain, that's durable, and that gives people a really easy access point to music education. Yes. So what does it mean to you then as a violinist and educator to be able to make something that can end up in children's hands? You know, I've been very, very lucky. You know, I will go and lead uh, a rehearsal for a production of Puccini's opera La Boheme later today. This is, I live my life in this wonderful sea of beautiful music. Um, But had I not done that, had I done something else with my life, the very serious musical education that I had would have served me well in so many ways. And I think that it is a wonderful opportunity for young people to learn everything from focus and discipline to setting and hitting goals to working well with other people as we play together in the orchestra or in chamber music. There are just so many things that we learn. And so if I can, in some way, help more young people to come to that, um, I think that would be a wonderful thing. When can we expect these violins to be made widely available? I mean, will there be a day where I can take you know, the design and put it into my own 3D printer and make a violin? Well, that's really the idea. Um, And at the moment, we are in the final stages, the final iterations. As somebody who is a professional violinist and a teacher, I would like to make sure that it has my stamp of approval on every element of it before we start our beta testing, which we hope to start later in the spring of this year. And hopefully we'll have these um, out and available by the end of 2023. Now, I know the 3D printed instruments have been made before. So what makes your violin different from other models? That's a good question. I think the, the main difference is that we have really dug into the disciplines of physics and acoustics and violin making Um, And we've involved researchers from all around the world in this process. I think also coming to this as a professional musician, coming to this as somebody who plays on a very fine instrument and looking for the closest possible sound in that um, gives us a different sort of view or helps us to see that or hear that through a different lens. I think lastly, Most of this is about um, finding fractional size instruments. Most of the instruments that people are printing these days are for adults. But ideally, we start children when they're quite young. So we have been printing 10th and 16th size instruments, which are small enough for the average six-year-old. So you really went above and beyond to make this super easy for kids to use. Yeah, One of the big things that's different about this model of instrument is that the bridge and the sound post are printed in. Um, So nothing on a violin, on like a regular violin, is glued. So everything's held in place by tension. And that means that if you need to have anything done, you really need to go and see a luthier to do that for you. And the inspiration from this came from one of my dear students who lives on a sailboat off the coast of New Zealand and plays the violin very well. And her bridge started to warp as they were starting a sort of two-week sail where they would not, you know, come to port. And so her mom and I sort of cowboyed steaming a bridge using boat repair tools 
um, and a clamp and a tea kettle. And Lots of got, MacGyvering here. We really did MacGyver this. And it really got me thinking, you know, if we're going to put, it's one thing to put instruments into the hands of young people. It's another thing to then sort of saddle them with the cost of continued maintenance and having continued repairs and other things. So a lot of this last iteration, especially with this little the little instruments had to do with printing in the bridge and the sound post um, so that there would be limited MacGyvering needed wherever they ended up. Do you have to paint it to look like a violin? I mean, does it come out? It must come out in a, a, a multitude of colors. <laughs> well, the one that I played to you today is white, um, but I have pink iridescent thermoplastic filament in my in my <laughs> printer at the moment. So the next one that gets printed is going to be a sort of fuchsia color. So it can come in any kind of color you like. Well, I would imagine that's a plus when you're when you're introducing kids to violins. It, it looks kind of cool, right? It doesn't look scary. Exactly. You know, I had a student just this morning who's eight who said, you know, hey, Miss Mary Beth, which is what they've called me for like the last 20 years. You know, hey, Miss Mary Beth, could you print me a blue one? I think I might play more scales if it were blue. That's a great anecdote. Well, thank you. Thank you, Mary Beth, for taking time to be with us today. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. Yes. And good luck to you. Dr. Mary Elizabeth Brown is a concert violinist and the founder and director of the Aviva Young Artist Program based in Montreal, Quebec. You can sign up for updates on the project at printaviolin.com. And Science Friday has a new project out. It's a limited-run newsletter called Sincerely Science. And my colleague Emma Gomez will introduce you to six scientists who talk about the human side of research. Every week for six weeks, no matter when you sign up, you'll get a story in your inbox from a person with a cool science career. This newsletter does a really good job at humanizing the stories of scientists it shows how success and failure are both a part of the process, and it gives scientists a chance to reflect on the doubts and joys of their work. You can subscribe to it at sciencefriday.com slash sincerely science. Universe of Art is hosted and produced by me, D. Peter Schmidt, and I also wrote the theme music. Charles Berquist and John Dankosky provided production assistance, and our show art is illustrated by Abel Hayford. The segment you just heard was originally produced by Science Friday producer Rasha Aridi. And support for Science Friday's science and arts coverage comes from the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation. Also, if you have an idea for a future episode of Universe of Art, send us an email or a voice memo to universe at sciencefriday.com. We'll be back in two weeks. See ya!